What a beautiful day we have outside, and, and uh, God's Spirit has just been in this place, both services today, and we rejoice in that. And uh, today we're, we're finishing up a series called, uh, called Be Generous, and we've had kind of this working definition of, of uh, generosity, which is giving more than is required or expected. Giving more than is, than is required or expected. We've talked about being generous with our time, and we've talked about being generous with our talents, and uh, today we're talking about being generous with our finances. And so let me say, you know, we've had this three-week series, and, and, and Pastor Kyle has, has taught the first two, and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for giving me the money sermon. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, I was waxing his car, and he said, Adam, you're going to preach the money. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, the, the truth is I don't, I don't mind teaching about money for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's relevant to everybody, right? It's, it's relevant to everybody, young, old. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're rich, if you're poor, it doesn't matter. Money is a subject that all of us deal with every day of our lives. So in that sense, it's kind of easy to teach on. But then the second reason is the Bible has a lot to say about it. The Bible has a lot to say about how we use our money. Jesus himself has a lot to say about how we use our money. And so um, as, we, as we jump into this today, let's start with some very uh, sound financial advice from the world-renowned financial expert, Andy Griffith. <clears throat> now, what's this about rules for pa's and sons? This first, hmm. the 75-cent rule. The 75-cent rule, I don't, uh, I don't believe I ever heard of that. Well, and that's what I figured. What it is, Pa, is that nowadays kids get 75 cents a week allowance instead of 25 cents. 75 cents? That's a lot of money. And in a year's time, I'd come to see there's 52 weeks in a year. It comes to around $40 a year. <laughs> that's an awful lot of money for a young they get it, Pa. They do, huh? And they don't have to work for it like I do. Hmm. Well, who is this, uh, this they you keep talking about? Oh, Arnold Winkler and everybody. Arnold Winkler. I don't believe I know him, do I? They're new from Raleigh. Oh, I see. And, and the Raleigh rules say, uh, say 75 cents and no work, huh? I guess. Mm-hmm. You want it straight, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay, here it goes. There are no rules for pa's and sons. Uh, it's as simple as this. Each, uh, each mother or father raises his boy or girl, as the case may be, the way that uh, he thinks is best. And I think it's best for you to get a quarter and work for it. You see, when you give something, in this instance, clean the garage, and you get something in return, like a quarter, well, that's the greatest feeling in the world. You do feel good after working, don't you? Uh-huh. Good and tired. <laughs> well, as, uh, as you get bigger, well, you'll be doing more and more work for more and more return, and that good feeling will get bigger. Do you understand what I mean? I think so. Good. I'm not going to get the 75 cents. <laughs> and I have to work for the 25. Right. All clear to you? Yeah. The bigger you get, the tireder you get. <laughs> well, uh... You just, you just think about that for a while. Do I have to? Don't you want to think about it? It makes me kind of sad. <laughs> well, the thing to do when you're feeling sad is to shoot for the good feeling. 
clean the garage. Right. So long, Paul. So long. <laughs> it's amazing how young we start angling for more money, isn't it? I mean, from the time we're this big, we start doing that. You did it, I'm sure. I know I did it. I was always angling for more money from my parents. Or The grandparents are really the ones you want to talk to, right? They're the ones that you really want to hit up. But we, we never really outgrow that. We spend our lives, it seems, always looking to make more money, always see, trying to figure out how can, I, how can I earn more money? How can I gain more money? And so today we're not, we're not so much talking about how to get more money like Opie, um, we're talking about how do, how do we give more money because God calls us to be generous, right? To give more than is expected or required. And, um, and so we want to be generous people. And so to, to start with, there are two mindsets that we have to have. There are two perspectives that we have to adopt if we want to be generous people. If we want to, to live life, if we want to conduct our finances specifically in a way that, that is in harmony with what the Bible teaches us, then we have to adopt these two mindsets. And the first mindset is you have to view your money as a tool, not as a goal. You have to view your money as a tool, not as a goal. Look at what uh, at Paul says. He writes this to Timothy in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 6. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what contentment means? That means I don't need more of something in order to be happy. I don't need more of something in order to be fulfilled. I don't need more of something in order for my life to have meaning. And so, and so Paul says, godliness with contentment. In other words, when you reach a point and you don't need more money or more of something, there's, there's a degree of godliness in that, he says. He says, we brought nothing into this world and we could take nothing out of it. As somebody reminded me after the first service, there, there's the old saying, uh, you, you never see a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. Um, you were born with nothing and you're going to leave this life and everything that you have, all, all the money you have, all the possessions, all of that is going to, the ownership is going to transfer to somebody else. So we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. He goes on, he says, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. There's that word contentment again. says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Strong words, right? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Say that with me. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That verse is misquoted all the time. What, is it, what does it usually say? What do people usually say? Money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. Money isn't good or bad. Money's just a thing. Money's just money. Paul says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He says some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. So what is this passage saying? It's not saying that it's a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to have a lot of money. It's not even a sin to put yourself in a position to increase your income. That is not what this passage is saying. What it's saying is when you make money your goal, when money is what you strive for, when that's what drives you and motivates you, and, and that's why you do everything you do, when life is all about mo' money, mo' money, mo' money. 
Paul says that's a path that's going to lead you away from God. And it's going to lead you towards, what does he say? What is the last two words? Many griefs. That's what Paul is talking about. In other words, money is not a goal. It should never be a goal. Money is just a tool to help us live and give. Right? Money helps us live. It puts a roof over our head. It puts food in our bellies. It it buys us things that we like and enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's all it is. It's a tool that helps us live. It's also a tool that helps us to give, right? That's what it means to be generous. To be generous is to use my money or my resources or anything, my possessions, anything, to, to use it in a way that helps make somebody else's life better. Money should never be the thing that just drives us. It's just a tool to help you live and to help you give. You, uh, you've heard of the Rockefeller family. Um, they're a family in the, the early 1900s, very wealthy and influential in, in American culture. And uh, one of the Rockefellers was once asked by a reporter, how much money will be enough? And you know what he said? He said, one more dollar. One more dollar. When money is your goal, when that's what you strive for, when it's always about more money, more money, more money, you will never have enough. That's a goal you'll never reach. Because no matter how much money you have, that you know what? I could make one more dollar. One more dollar. One more dollar. That's what happens when we make money our goal instead of just seeing it as a tool. It leaves us craving more. Second uh, perspective, though, the second mindset we have to adopt is view your money as God's money, not your money. View your money as God's money, not your money. Now, that's a, that's a little bit of a tough one for us because we know, well, well, you know, I work hard for my money and um, I went to school for a long time or I've, I've learned this trade or, I, you know, I've done a lot of things to put myself into position. So what do you mean it's not my money? Well, who gave you the ability to do those things? It all comes from God. In fact, uh, listen to this parable that Jesus tells in, uh, in Luke chapter 12. Uh, he talks about this rich man. Guys, I'm having trouble with my clicker. I don't know if we have a, need another battery or what. But um, Jesus says this. He says, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and my goods, and I will say to myself, Are you catching my emphasis here? You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Can you imagine hearing those words from God? I would hate to be having a conversation with God and hear God call me a fool. He says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, Jesus says, with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. This fool in God's eyes, what, was, what made him foolish? Well, according to what Jesus says, what made him foolish was viewing his, his money and his possessions as his own. It was all about me and my, 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 my. And God tells this man, 
It's not yours. That's why you're foolish. You're going to, this very night, you're going to die. And you're not going to have possession of anything anymore. Remember, you can't take it with you. So it's not, it's not our money. It's not our possessions. It's God's. Thank you. Psalm 24, verse 1, says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all his, folks. It's all his. If you don't remember anything else from this message today, remember that. That one change in your perspective, if you don't already have that perspective, that one change in your perspective in regard to your finances will change everything. It will change everything. So write that down, take a picture, whatever you need to do, remember that principle. It's not your money. It's God's. It's God's. It all belongs to him. In fact, have you ever, ever wondered about this? If, uh, if your money and possessions really belong to you, how come you can't take them with you when you die? It's because they're not yours. They're not mine. So let's talk about then a, a subject that, uh, that causes a lot of tension. Um, you know, it's a, it's a subject, if you're, if you're not doing this, it, it can kind of make you uncomfortable. And there's even debate in the church about whether Christians should do this or we're supposed to do this or, or if we don't have to do this. Uh, let's talk about the subject of tithing. To tithe means to give one-tenth, means to give 10%. And so uh, imagine this, if, uh, if Pastor Age has 10 donut holes and he gives me one donut hole, he's giving me a tithe of his donut holes, okay? That's what a, that's what a tenth means, or that's what a tithe means. And so let's talk about where this concept comes from. Is this something that, um, that God originally told people to do, or was this uh, just some random thing? I mean, why, why do we talk about tithing, you know, why do we talk about 10% and not 12% or 4% or 8%? Where does it come from? Well, the first place that we see it is in Genesis chapter 14. And uh, Abraham, has, uh, he's rescued his nephew Lot, and they, they've, they've experienced this victory over their enemies. And, and Abraham is returning from battle, and this priest comes out to meet him. This, this priest's name is Melchizedek, all right? We'll call him Mel for short. This priest named Mel uh, comes from a, a city that would one day become Jerusalem, and he greets um, Abraham, and he pronounces this blessing over Abraham and his descendants. And so in response to this, Abraham says to him, I'm going to give you, Mel, I'm going to give you 10% of everything that I have. I'm going to give you a tithe. I have 10 donut holes. I'm going to give you one donut hole. I'm going to give you 10%. So then the next time that we see this is in chapter 28, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Jacob was... Early in his life, Jacob was a liar, and he was a cheat, and he cheated his own brother out of his brother's inheritance. And so his brother Esau, uh, he, as you can understand, was really angry and decided that he was going to kill Jacob. Now, some of you have probably wanted to kill your sibling before, but Esau literally wanted to take his life, okay? And so Jacob was a, at least a smart man, and he said, I got to get out of Dodge. I'm leaving. I'm not sticking around here so my brother can kill me in the middle of the night. And he takes off running, and at one point, somewhere in there, God got a hold of Jacob. And he began to change Jacob's heart. 
his lying, stealing, cheating heart. And one night Jacob was camping as he was on the run from his brother. He was camping and he had this dream. And in this dream, God pronounced a blessing on him. Almost the same blessing that God pronounced on his grandfather Abraham. And in response to that, you know what Jacob said? Jacob said to God, I'm, from this point on for the rest of my life, I'm going to give you how much? 10% of everything I earn. In some ways, he kind of took it a step farther than Abraham did. Abraham said to Mel, I'm going to give you 10% of everything I have right now. But Jacob said, everything from this point for the rest of my life, everything I earn, everything I gain from this point forward, 10% is going to you, God. So think about that for a minute. Out of gratitude to God, Abraham and Jacob said, I'm going to give 10% to God. Want to know what the best reason to tithe is? It's not because you're supposed to or, you know, some some Christians debate, well, is it something that we're supposed to do? That's the wrong question to ask. That's one of the worst reasons. That's one of the worst reasons to do anything. Want to know what the best reason to tithe is or to do anything? Gratitude to God. God, I'm going to do this not because I'm supposed to or because I have to. I'm going to do this because I'm grateful to you for all that you've done for me and all that you've given me. That's that's the roots of tithing in Scripture. It sprang out of the grateful hearts of a man and later his grandson where they said, God, I'm just grateful to you. And here's a tangible way that I can show you my gratitude and show you my thankfulness. And so I'm going to give you... 10%. So those who say, well, you know, the New Testament doesn't really mention tithing a whole lot, and they're right. And they often go on and say, so it's really not something we have to do. And, And in a sense, they're right. It's not something we have to do. But what if we chose to do it just because we're grateful to God for what he's done for us? That's the best reason. It's the best reason to do it. These men, these two men chose on their own to give one-tenth of their wealth and income to God as an act of worship and gratitude. So that leaves us with a question. If this wasn't something that God told them to do, if it was just something that kind of they, they chose to do, it just kind of sprang up out of a grateful heart. If that's the case, then did God, was God pleased with this? Did this act of worship please God's heart? Because that's ultimately the goal of worship. It's not about, worship isn't about what we can get. It's about what we want to give to God. It's about ministering to his heart. You ever thought about ministering to God's heart? That's what worship is about. It's about ministering to him, bringing joy to his heart. So did this act of tithing minister to God's heart? Well, Abraham's family grew into the nation of Israel. And uh, this act of gratitude so blessed God that tithing became a regular part of their worship. In in the life, in the community of, of the people of Israel, tithing became a regular part of their worship. 
That's how much it pleased God. And so time went on, centuries went on, and in, uh, at, at one point Israel began to just turn their back on, on God completely and just completely forsake their relationship with him. They ended up getting attacked by another nation and taken into captivity, and 70 years later they were released. They could go back to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild and rebuild the temple. And they began to put their, their worship back into place. But there was, there was an area in particular that they were holding back from God. And it was the area of, of tithing. And so in Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, the very last book, we find these words in chapter 3. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. This is God talking to the people of Israel. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God answered, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings that are due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. And he says, try it. Put me to the test. Do you know that in every other place in the Bible where it talks about testing God, it says, don't do it. Don't test God. This is the only place in all of scripture where God says, test me in this. Try it. You'll be blessed because you do. Try it, he says. I was thinking about about what he says at the beginning of that passage, though, where he says that that you've been cheating God. Other translations say you, you rob God. I thought, well, what do we cheat God of? When we don't tithe, what do we cheat him of or what do we rob him of? It's not the money. Right? Remember, God owns the whole universe. It all belongs to him. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. It's not about the money. So what do we rob God of? What do we cheat him of when we don't tithe? I think we rob God of the blessing. Remember? Tithing blesses God's heart. When we trust him enough, because that's really what it boils down to, do I trust God enough to do this, and when we trust God enough to tithe, that's a blessing to His heart. It brings joy to His heart, and we rob Him of that when we choose not to do it. I don't want to rob God, and I know you don't either. So, what would it look like then? If you just, if you're not tithing, what would it look like for you? to start tithing now, to start giving 10% of your income. Well, what it looks like is going to depend on who you are, really, and how you're wired. Because there are two kinds of people in this room. There are those kinds of people who just, man, when, they, when an idea pops into your head, you just jump right in. Head first, you don't test anything. You just jump in head first, gung-ho. I'm just doing it, man. Okay, if that's your personality, and you feel like tithing is something that God is laying on your heart that, that you want to do as an act of worship to him, and you're just going to jump right in, then I want to encourage you to, to take what we call the three-month tithing challenge. And say, okay, for the next three months, I'm going to give 10% of my income. 10% out of every paycheck, it's going to be the first check that I write, and I'm going to give it to God. 
If you're worse off financially than you were when you started, then stop. But I don't think you will be. Because remember, God says, test me. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And he'll, he'll be blessed because you did it. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not the kind of head first personality. You like to just kind of dip your, dip your toe in and maybe then wade up to your ankles and, and then maybe wade up to your knees and just kind of test the water out a little bit. If that's your personality, then I would encourage you to do this. Start off saying, okay, I'm going to give 3%. You choose the percent. I'm going to give 3%. And I'm going to do it for X amount of time or X number of paychecks. Set a limit for yourself from the beginning. And then when that time limit is up, then, okay, I'm going to bump it to 5% or 6% or 7%. And then I'm going to do that for a X amount of time. And then I'm going to bump it to 10%. God will take care of you. He'll take care of you. But here's the thing. Regardless of which path you choose, whether you choose to just dive right in at 10% or kind of work your way up to it, regardless, you're going to have to address some things with the 90%. Remember, it's all God's money. See, it's not that the tithe is God's and the rest is ours to do what we want with. God calls us to be good stewards, good managers of all of it because remember, it's all his and so to help you with that other 90%, um, we've got a, a finance class coming up. It's going to start on March 11th. It's a Sunday. It's at 10 o'clock. It's in uh, room 252 upstairs. And uh, it'll go for about five weeks. It'll include some Dave Ramsey, uh, mainly some Dave Ramsey principles, but some other things as well. Tim Dell is going to teach that. And uh, if you think that you could benefit from that, then, then mark that down and Come to that class. You can go to either the 8.30 service or the 11.30 service, and you can go to this class at 10 o'clock. We also have uh, someone in our church who uh, has a little bit of experience as a a financial coach. And if you think you could benefit from sitting down with somebody one-on-one and and letting them look at your numbers and show you some things maybe that you can do differently uh, to help, help with that 90%, then uh, let me know after church, and I'll get you in touch with that individual. Um, but, but the point is, God calls us to be good stewards of all of it. And if you're going to tithe, th- then you've got to be a good manager of the other 90%. And we want to help you do that. I don't want to just stand up here and say, um, and say, you know, hey, you should tithe, and then you leave you on your own. Okay. First of all, I'm not saying you should tithe. You should be obedient to what God lays on your heart. And if you're going to do it, do it out of gratitude to him. Well, there's a a verse in Ecclesiastes 11.4 that says this. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. If God is speaking to your heart about this, don't wait until your finances are just completely perfect in how you want it. If you do that, you will never start. If you wait until life is perfect, if you wait until finances are perfect, you'll never do it. Trust God now. If he's laying it on your heart, if he's not laying it on your heart, don't do it. But if he is, then trust him enough now to say, okay, God, I'm not sure how all the ducks are going to line up in a row, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to do it because I'm grateful to you for what you've given me. Trust God enough to start being generous 
even before your finances are perfect. So, here's today's kingdom principle. We're called to be generous because God is so generous. We're called to be generous because God is so generous. You know, the Bible says every good thing in your life comes from God. He is the source of every good thing in your life, every blessing. He has given you and me so much, not just in the area of material things. And I know you might think, well, I'm, I'm not very wealthy. Well, compared to most of the world, you are. God has blessed us so much materially. But here's the thing. Here's ultimately how God has been so generous to us. He sent his son to take your sin and my sin upon himself and pay a price that you and I could never, ever pay so that we could have new life today and eternal life when we die. He's a generous God. It's who he is. It's part of his nature. It's his nature to give. And he has given us so much. And if we're going to reflect his character in our lives, then at some point we've got to start being generous too. Not just with our money, but with our time and with our talents and with everything that we have. Be generous because God is generous. And let me say this one last thing. Let me say today, God wants your heart more than he wants your money. Maybe you're here today and you've been following Christ for a while, but you've been holding back your finances or maybe you've been holding back your family or your future or any other area of your life. God wants your heart. He wants your whole heart. Give him everything. Give him every area of your life. That's what he wants more than anything. In fact, if you're here today and you're not even sure that you are a follower of Christ, maybe somebody invited you here today and you're not really sure why you came. Maybe you're watching online and you're not even sure why you're still watching. If that's you, then I want you to hear me very carefully. God has not compelled you to join us in worship today because he wants you to start giving money to the church. That's not why God has compelled you to be part of this today. He has compelled you to join us in worship today because he wants you to give him your heart. Don't leave this place today. Don't log off your computer today without praying to God and saying, God, I'm going to give you everything. Everything I am, everything I have, it's all yours. I'm going to conduct every area of my life the way that you want me to because I know you know best. If you want to pray that prayer this morning, if you'd like for somebody to pray through that with you, come see Kyle or myself, Pastor A, just sitting over here. Give God everything today. He's worth it. And you can trust Him. Just stand.
Uh, rest assured, we're not a church that talks about money all the time. We don't stand up here every week and tell you to give more, give more, give more, give more. But we're also not a church that's afraid to ever teach about it because it makes people uncomfortable. We said the Bible has a lot to say about it. And really about once a year, we devote an entire message to it. It might be mentioned at different times throughout the year, but it's an important part of, of, it's it's an important part of how we do life. Remember, it's a tool. God uses it. It's what we use to, to live and give. And uh, if you if you believe in what our church is doing, then, then be generous to the church. If you want to if you want to support what we're doing as a church, money's a tool. It's one of many tools that allows us to do that. Be generous with everything that you have, and give it all to God because you're thankful for what He's done in your life. Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you most of all for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. In response to that, we just, we say to you, God, we want to give you all of who we are. We give it all to you today, every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed day.